If there's one place a Christian should visit, if you have the means, it's the Holy Land of Israel and Jordan. And Pastor Ralph Yankee, Arno, and me, Bill Bunkley, want to take you along with us to both countries on our summer 2023 pilgrimage. Come see the epicenter of the world in God's holy city, Jerusalem. Witness historical locations and places of future prophetic events. Your cost is just $45.95, double occupancy, including round-trip air from Tampa, two meals a day, private Wi-Fi motor coach, Israeli and Jordanian guides. Space is very limited. A $700 deposit secures your spot with final payment not due until May the 10th, giving you time to budget. To see all the places on our 10-day pilgrimage to Israel and Jordan, June 24th through July 4th, Go to BillBunkley.com, that's BillBunkley.com, or call me at 813-264-2977. That's 813-264-2977. Born to die, that he might give eternal life, that I might live. And turn my darkness Well, it's good to see y'all this morning. Let's see, what are we going to talk about? I want to talk about something that I will kind of key off on that I spoke on recently, and that was the replacement theology that Israel is no longer viable. Uh, they've been uh, discarded. And God's not dealing with Israel anymore. And the church is now, you know, the new Israel. And some people believe that, and I don't believe it. I don't believe that America is because the Jews that went up into Europe, and they come over to here, and this is now the new Israelites. No. I don't believe none of it. So uh, there's a lot of people that got a lot of different beliefs. But... I just hold all of mine just right here on the book and believing that what God promised in the Old Testament holds true and he made promises about King David going to be ruling over Israel and about the Messiah is going to come and it's about Israel and Israel is going to be the nation that God's going to have where all the other nations come to worship in Jerusalem and therefore I still believe that. So I haven't changed my view on that. But I want you to take your Bible and turn there to the book of Romans in chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. And we'll kind of kick off right there. And Who knows where we're going to go. But here in Romans in chapter 9, I want you to look there in verse 4. The question comes up because now this is after the resurrection of Christ. The church has been founded. And now here's the Apostle Paul, almost 30 years after Christ ascended. And he makes this statement in verse 4, Who are Israelites? To whom pertaineth the adoption, and the glory, and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the service of God, and the promises? Well, who do they belong to now? And who are the Israelites? It is a good question. Has God cast away his people, which he foreknew? Well, you see, God had made promises to Israel in the Old Testament. And one of the biggest promises that God made to Abraham was that Abraham would be the father of 
a seed that's coming down the road by which all the families of the earth would be blessed. Now, he made that promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and also to the seed, which was Christ. So that through the line of Abraham and the nation of Israel, the word of God would be given, the nation of Israel become a great nation, and the seed would come through which the families of the earth would be blessed. But how would they be blessed? You know, everybody have a, their own fig tree and everybody have a, you know, a Mercedes and everybody have a million dollars in the bank. And I mean, he really wants to bless us, right? But the blessing that he was talking about was the blessing that was bestowed upon Abraham by faith. Abraham believed God. And because he believed God, his faith was counted for righteousness. He was made righteous by faith alone. Because he was made righteous by faith alone, because of the promise that God had made concerning the seed. So Abraham knew about the Messiah and about the payment that was to be made and that all he had to, by faith alone, he could be saved. So the scripture says in Genesis 15 that Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So the promise that God made to Abraham was that all the heathen, all the Gentiles, everybody would be justified by faith alone. Not just Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and his seed, and the people came after him as the nation of Israel, but also the everybody in the world. And so therefore, they would be blessed. But the blessing is that they would be justified by faith. So the gospel that Bible says in Genesis, I mean in the book of um, Galatians chapter 3, uh, God foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, And these shall all families of the earth be blessed. And that means that the blessing is to be justified, to have eternal life, to be able to have eternal life and live with the Lord forever and ever and ever. So that was a blessing because nobody could save themselves. And so the Bible says that 430 years later, he gave the law. But when he gave the law... The law could not annul the promise that he made. So if the law that he gave cannot annul the promise that he made, then you cannot annul any of God's promises. You can't annul the promises, the covenants, and all the stuff that he promised to the nation of Israel. So God made a promise, and the only way that God could keep the promise that he made to Abraham was that Jesus had to come and had to die and pay for the sins of all the world so that all the families of the earth could be blessed with justification by faith. So the devil tried to destroy Israel and the lineage over and over and over again. I preached a sermon one time, I think here, on the uh, conflict of the ages. That down through the ages, there's always been this conflict of the devil trying to destroy the royal line. And at times, there's only be one person left, one person left, one person left. Well, when Jesus came, he was the only one that had the right to claim the throne of Israel. And so Herod was trying to kill him. But Herod was only trying to fulfill the desire of somebody behind the scenes, which was the devil himself. And if he was the only one that could claim the throne of Israel, well, if he killed him, Israel could never be the great nation that God promised. The families of the earth could never be blessed, and there would have been no salvation for anybody because there would not have been a payment made for the sins of the world. So God made the promise 
And God had to have his son come in order to pay for the sins of the world so that God could keep his promise. So Christ had to do what he did in order for God to justify anybody, even one person, by faith and faith alone. So look down there now in verse 6. In verse 6 says, Not as though the word of God have taken that effect. For they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. So whenever God's talking about, you know, his children, Israel as a nation, as a people, God chose them for a particular thing. But he didn't choose to save them at the expense of no Gentiles could be saved. It doesn't mean just because they were his chosen people that they were all chosen to be saved and nobody else. No. Is that God chose them as a nation, as a people, to bring the word of God, to bring the seed, and to be a light to Gentiles and all that. But there's always been a remnant within the nation. Within the people of Israel, there's always been a remnant that believed on the Lord. So the reason that this is so important is because under Solomon, when Solomon ruled, and he had all those wives that we've mentioned before, well, God says that because of his sin, he would destroy, or I should say, separate, split the kingdom. And so that's what he did. So you had ten nations, or ten tribes, and they became known as Israel, and their capital was in Samaria, the northern ten tribes. Then you had the southern two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, and so therefore they were included in the Jerusalem, and so uh, they were the Jews. So you have Israelites, and you have Jews. And they both lived in Israel, the nation, but the northern ten tribes were conquered by Syria. And years later, well, they came and conquered the Jews, at Jerusalem and laid siege about it, and they were taken into Babylonian captivity. And that's where you have Daniel and Ezekiel and so forth. So God says that when he comes, now in the book of Zechariah, um, I don't have time to look at it right now, but there's an interesting little story that talked about the beauty and the bands, the beauty and the bands. Christ was the beauty, but he was cut off. And the bands is because there was supposed to be this unity, Christ came that he could unify all the tribes together as one nation, set up the kingdom, and he was cut off, and then it says they were cut off. And so in 70 AD, they'd been severed from their land, scattered throughout the world. And whenever I teach a lesson on the times of the Gentiles, well, then it goes all the way from the time of Babylon, who was the head of this last world beast, all the way through until you get to the end of the tribulation period. Even though Israel is in the land, Jerusalem is a divided city. And they have parted his land, according to Hosea. So they are not under total Jewish rule. They have to listen to whatever the United Nations has to say. And because they are in such disagreement with the nation of Israel in preserving their security... Israel doesn't trust anybody, and I can see why. But what about Israel as a nation and Israel as his children? 
if you're going to be a child of Israel, a child of Israel, as he's talking about, that's those that believe. So you can have many of the Jewish people or Israelites, but it's counted for the seed. Those who believe like Abraham believe justification by faith. So that's why you have down here in verse seven, neither because they are the seed of Abraham, are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. In other words, Isaac was a faith child. Isaac was a miracle child. It was because Abraham and Sarah, whose bodies were already past the age of childbearing, and you find out that Abraham believed God and staggered not at the promises. And so therefore he believed, so he was blessed by God with his righteousness. And Isaac was a faith child, a miracle child. So therefore, the new birth is a miracle birth. It's a faith birth. The flesh did not produce the new birth. It was a miracle birth by God when you trusted Christ as your Savior. And God gave you his righteousness. And that's what he's talking about here. So that's why in verse 8, when he says, They that are the children of the flesh, and mainly this verse is referring to the nation of Israel. It's a truth, a good principle for all the world, but it mainly refers to the nation of Israel. And he says, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. So you can be born in Israel and be a Jew, considering that I am an Israelite, but you're not saved just because you are. You as an individual must trust Christ as Savior. Individual Jews and Gentiles and Israelites all have to trust Christ as their Savior. So then he explains a little bit more about what he's talking about. See there in verse 9. And for this is the word of promise. At this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. Not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand not of works. So God has chosen those born into his family is not by their works. It's not by their works. He knew that those who believe would be receiving the free gift of everlasting life and receiving his righteousness. So in verse 11, how did he choose? God made a choice. He would choose to save all of those that believe by faith. And he did that before they were ever born, before they did good or bad, because they had nothing to do with their works. And this is why he makes a statement that many people have trouble understanding in verse 13, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Because Esau represents the flesh birth, and Jacob represents the new birth. One, the flesh birth, the new birth. One's accepted, the other one is not accepted. And he's not talking about the person himself, it's talking about the two births. And so whenever you go back and study the book of Genesis, where it says that Cain and Abel... Abel's offering was accepted, and Cain's offering was not accepted. That's representative of the spirit birth and the flesh birth. Grace versus works. 
And so all the way through, you'll find out that God's distinguishing between just because you're born in the nation of Israel and you consider yourself to be a Jew doesn't mean that you're automatically you're saved. God has chosen to save those that believe. So even if you're a Jew, you still have to believe. You may be a chosen people and a chosen nation, which they were, but not chosen to salvation. Salvation is always a personal thing, an individual thing. Now, take your Bible, look in Romans in chapter 2. Romans in chapter 2. See, God has not taken away the freedom of choice. As though just because you were born into the nation of Israel, you are automatically covered. No. Remember, they said, what are you talking about when they was talking to Christ? He says, we be of Abraham's seed. We're being in bondage to no man. He says, if you were Abraham's seed, you would believe on me. But they didn't. And he says, your, your father, the devil. So here's Christ telling some Jewish people, scribes and Pharisees, you are of the devil. Now, he couldn't say that about a, law, a saved man. So they're not all saved just because they're God's chosen people. They were chosen for particular things. That's true. But they're not chosen to be saved over anybody else. Every man must trust Christ as their Savior. Now look what he says in Romans chapter 2. Look in verse 17. Behold, thou art called a Jew, and restest in the law, makest thy boast of God. So you're a Jew, you rest in the law. And the reason he's talking about resting in the law is because you believe that you're keeping the law, and you're trusting that, and you're resting in that. That's going to that's gonna do the job. Boy, were they in for a big surprise. And so, therefore, they're covered. They're, all, they're, they're, they're God's chosen people. They have the law. Yeah, but they didn't keep the law. They didn't keep it. Look down in verse 28. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. Just because you're under the law, born of Israel, and you look like a Jew, and you're of the nation of Jew, and you are of the lineage of Jew, he says, the seed is called of Abraham's seed, is that remnant of believing Jews. So that's the real Jew. Now, they're Jews, and everybody considered Jews, Israelites, nation of Israel. I wouldn't mind being a Jew myself. I wished I was Jewish. But it didn't work out that way. I guess I'm just a dirty goy. So anyway, I'm... I'm a Gentile. But now look what else he says here. In verse 29, But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit. Not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. But did the Jewish people have an advantage over the Gentiles? Yes, they did. So in verse 1 of chapter 3, much chiefly in every way. So they did have an advantage. Because unto them were given the oracles of God. So in chapter 1, tells you how bad people are. Chapter 2, the advantages that some had. And so whether or not you want to talk about the Gentiles who had, you know, the power of reasoning from looking at the world and know that there is a God. And didn't recognize it. And go their own way and do their own wicked deeds. 
or the nation of Israel who had the word and they had revelation. So Gentiles had the world and reason. So that by their conscience alone, they could realize somebody made the world. There is a God. And so that's why it's mentioned in chapter 1 and verse 18 and 19 and so forth. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Well, the Jews had the word and the revelation and they had the reason and they had the world. So they had an advantage. But their advantage, they still didn't recognize and honor God. Look at the advantage that they had. But all it did was show you that whether you're Jew or Gentile, and regardless of all the advantage, you're still a sinner. You can't save yourself. Those without the law didn't use the light God gave them. And those who had the word and had light, additional light, it didn't help them. So God proved before the whole world, everybody's guilty. Everybody is sinful. See there in Romans in chapter 3 and verse 4 says, God forbid, yea, let God be true and every man a liar. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, every man's a liar. And nobody can save themselves. And if you look up there in verse 19, now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that all the world, all the world may become guilty before God. And that's because of verse 9. Look in verse 9 real quick. What then are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews, Gentiles, all under sin. And if you're under the law, you're under sin. If you're under sin, you're under death. So therefore, you're all cursed. Those without the law, and the Bible talks about the world itself and the conscience, because you can accuse or excuse means you have the power of judgment to say what's right and to say what's wrong. And does everybody argue? The only reason anybody argues is because they're able to discern, I'm right, you're wrong. So everybody can judge. You can make decisions. And that's the power of reasoning and your conscience also bearing you evidence. See there in chapter 2, look down there in verse 15 where he says, Which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Though they didn't have the law. Their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts. The meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. So therefore... Jew or Gentile, everybody is guilty. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Romans in chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. And notice that a verse that we often always use is a verse that really applies to the nation of Israel. And he's explaining what he means by grace versus works. So in Romans in chapter 11, notice in verse 1, I say then half God cast away his people. God forbid. God says no. So how can you then not believe that they're not going to be a nation and not going to rule like God promised? How can you say you believe in replacement theology that the church has taken the place of Israel, which they have not? We are here right now only because Israel has been set aside 
as being used as a nation to the world that God intended. But one day in the future, the rapture is going to take place. We're going to be out of here, and God will once again establish all those promises that he made to Israel. And Israel one day will be the greatest nation in the world. Now look there in Romans in chapter 11. And he says here in verse 1, has God cast away all of them? God forbid. I am also an Israelite. Of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. So he's considered an Israelite, which was mainly a title given to the northern ten tribes. But I'm of the seed of Benjamin, which was of the tribe of Judah and Benjamin, the Jews. So he says in verse 2, God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. He said, Know ye not that the scripture saith, Isaiah, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. I'm the only one left. Remember the pity party he had back there after the battle with 450 of the prophets of Baal? And there he was, lo and behold, and no Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you. So he runs out there and he weeps and wails and pines and so on. I'm the only one left, poor little me. And God says in verse 4, what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so then, then, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. In other words, the election of grace is where God, regardless of who you are and how bad you've been, there's always this remnant of people that will believe on the Lord. And this remnant of believers is more important than just the flesh of Israel being alive. They can be alive and they have lived all these years. And you can't destroy the word of God because you can't destroy or annihilate the people of Israel. But there is a remnant within the people. A remnant within the nation. Of those that believe. Remember Christianity started because of Jewish people. Jesus was a Jew. The apostles they were Jews. And we have our word because of the Jews. We have a lot to be thankful for. And the world has been blessed. And I'll say this. In the book of Genesis in chapter 12, when he makes this statement, I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. You better believe that. And I believe that it's going to be mighty dark upon the world because of their treatment of the nation of Israel. God says, I will bless them that bless thee, and I curse them that curse thee. And I believe that's still a true promise today. There's been nowhere in the word of God where that's been... Um, discarded, overruled, changed, annulled. It ain't happened. So God has promised, and I believe that we ought to keep it and we ought to stand behind the nation of Israel. The other thing here, when he makes a statement up there in verse 5 about the, there's a remnant, but the remnant is those that believe because God has chosen out of the nation of Israel to save those that believe. Though the Nation as a whole rejected Christ. A nation as a whole were, well, they lost their temple and were cast around the world. But there's always a remnant. 
of those that believed on the Lord. And he says, now, what is this election of grace? How did God choose to save? Well, look what he says in verse 6. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it's no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. This was to the nation of Israel. This was to the Jewish people. But the same truth holds true. So God said, I haven't cast my people away. Would take my place. Telling someone how to go to heaven is the greatest thing we can do in this life. To prepare you, Pastor Yankee Arnold is offering you his book, Gospel Driven Man, absolutely free. Gospel Driven Man explains in simple steps how to successfully share the gospel. To get your free copy of Gospel Driven Man, write to Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Or email Yankee Arnold at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.